0: Welcome to Learning Minnesota, connecting people one conversation at a time. Today's guest is Megan Lutka. Megan is a language and cultural teacher in the Waban Ogama Wider School District. Our topic today is cultural competency. Megan, you know what, let's talk. Great to be here. So I started
1: my educational journey unexpectedly. I wound up being a child care provider helper, and then I opened my own child care. And then I got my two-year early ed degree. Then through that, I moved on to um, getting my bachelor's degree in elementary education at the University of Minnesota Crookston. And um, during that time, I started studying language on my own. Um, my two-year is to the White Earth Tribal Community College. So that has a huge emphasis on Native American culture and language as well. Um, and then being a speaker, it opened up opportunities, and Mentrec has asked me to come on board and be a trainer with them. So I've been doing that for the past year. Um, and when I applied for the position at our elementary school in our district, um, I went through the White Earth RBC to obtain my eminence licensure.
0: And so what is RBC?
1: Reservation Business Committee.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you could make it today. So today, I think our, first of all, to start off with, we're really fortunate that we have a, a kind of an interesting and unique perspective that we're both women of color when we're talking about race and culture and how that fits into the, the school system today. So a lot of times people try to put race and and culture together. What are some things that you can enlighten us on the difference between the two?
1: I think that when it, the definition of race is your Physical characteristics of what you look like, where ethnicity is like your practices that you follow within your race. I don't think that's necessarily true for either of us.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was just—I uh, remember uh, not too long ago I was telling you that uh, my background is Korean with uh, uh, some English and Irish, and I was raised by an Italian-Norwegian um, family, so definitely have a little, a lot, a little of everything, and. Um, really taking a look at the difference between our, what we are in our race and what we do on our everyday in our families. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your background.
1: So I grew up in a farming community in rural Minnesota on the white earth Indian reservation. Um, it's a very small town population 400. Um, it's an agriculture community, uh, within the reservation. Like I said, um, I grew up in a really big family, Uh, mom and dad, brothers and sisters, extended family all of around us. And uh, my dad is Native American, my mom is German from southern Indiana. My dad's father is Norwegian, so I had all sorts of influences as well.
0: Yeah, we both grew up in Northern Minnesota. And so I would guess when you were walking around town, people wouldn't know um, that maybe you had a Native American background. So they would assume that you would understand and relate to maybe the Lutheran Norwegian culture more, um, but you were really influenced by the Native American culture. Can you maybe talk a little bit about some of the things you were influenced mostly through that?
1: Yeah, so my grandmother, is Native American and that's where I get that descendancy from, which is my dad's mother. And I remember as a little kid, my grandma and I were spending time together and one of my cousins was there and she asked my grandma for a jingle dress. Grandma, I really want a jingle dress. And my grandma told her, you don't need a jingle dress. And that's just part of the history and the discrimination and uh, assimilation of Native Americans from my grandma's past.
0: Sure. So people not understanding the importance of different cultural celebrations and um, dances and in music and, and language really. Um, I am guessing that the Ojibwe language, ha, I know it's there's a big surge in bringing it back into the classroom, but I'm guessing there was a point where the language was dying out. So the language is still in danger
1: of dying and that's why we're the speakers that I'm involved with within Minnesota are trying so hard to, to revitalize the language. There is a huge push for it. But then we also get um, backlash from outside communities that say, why do you want our kids to learn Ojibwe in the public school when they're never gonna use it growing up sure. or moving on from the reservation? But really, if you look at the Native American culture, the language is where it comes from. Sure. The culture is within the Native American language.
0: Right, and culture really does help us enrich our lives as well. Um, taking a look at diverse cu- cultures and how they can influence um, how we see the world I think is really important. So on that topic, do you feel that this is an important, why do you think this is important for teachers to understand like cultural competency? Why would that be important for teachers in Minnesota to understand um, the cultural background grounds and diversity of their students?
1: Well the population of Minnesota is growing. Um, We're seeing tons of different ethnic groups throughout Minnesota. We also have the teachers that are driving into other communities to teach and so I think that when you understand the population that you're teaching towards you have more empathy, you have less bias, you have a better understanding of who your students are and how you can reach them and further their education.
0: Yeah and I really think too when you can see a reflection Um, of your student in something that you may do or you enjoy, you create bridges and you create common ground that you, there's a place that you can work from with your students too. And I know my son just took a class on biased and I was able to take a bias test. Mm -hmm. And I thought for sure that I was going to pass that test by like flying colors. And it ended up that I had a slight biased um, towards older people, which I think is kind of funny because I'm old. <laughs> so, uh, so, thinking about our bias that we bring to the table and maybe our cultural uh, bias and our, um, you know, our, just the things that we don't even realize that we have slight bias towards, how can that affect our cultural competency in the classroom?
1: Okay, so when you bring up um, your bias towards older generations of people, uh, in the Ojibwe culture, Mindu Mian, Is the in English it translates into old lady, but in the language it means great being. Mm -hmm. And the native culture highly values their women. And when we lost our language, we lost a ton of
0: our culture and our teachings along with that. So, talking about a little bit about cultural awareness and how we fit into the world, um, what are some things that tie into that, like religion, like different practices, politics? Um, gender identity, gen, you know, gen, how we relate to gender, what are some things that you would uh, suggest that teachers take a look at?
1: Well, like I said earlier, when we are coming into a community, when we're, we're coming into a school district, each place has its own cultural take. They all have their own cultural picture. And I want teachers to look at their classrooms like it's a box of crayons and not a white piece of paper. Because each of those crayons does something in the classroom and all together it paints a beautiful picture. So individualize your students um, as far as who they are, who their families are. Get to know their families. Um, You may start noticing um, huge differences in family dynamics. If you have a student that's excessively tardy, it might be because they don't have a constant income or vehicle and so the hours mom uh, families are working I can't just say mom and dad because that's that's not a family norm. Yeah,
0: Um, In our low poverty communities we have children raising each other. Yeah and I think the interesting thing about that is we are working in a district right now that uh, Becker County has one of the highest I think levels of poverty in Minnesota and how uh, looking at the dynamics of a culture of it's not just that uh, mom and dad, it's grandma and grandpa that are contributing to the socio-economical well-being of mm-hmm. the family and it it could be an oldie, older um sibling that is bringing in some mm-hmm. income and then also that dynamic where there are so many foster care mm-hmm. um, children in there as well and just getting to know as a teacher to get to know your student and know what is happening when they leave. Yes. Uh, it, I think is really important. I know is there anything that you can add to that like where where we come from who we are as individuals not just with an ethnic or a racial background but as individuals.
1: As a teacher yourself. Yeah. Well, the thing about it is, you can mold into a culture. And so you can also bring what you have and your traits and traditions and family life and mold that into your classroom. You can just really, you can go outside of the box and learn from each other. So if you're worried about being biased or prejudice, keep an open mind.
0: Yeah, I think you can learn so much even by just taking that um, second to greet your students in the morning and ask, you know, what did you do over the weekend? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think too, just being aware of when your students are looking maybe um, disheveled and just need someone to talk through what is happening at home as well. Do you see that um, in your day to day happenings with students or? Um, do you have programming where students can come and, and work with you, um, especially the Native American students in your in your district? So our
1: district has about 80% population of Native American students because we are one district within the reservation. There are uh, other schools within our district, we're open, so we get students from all communities. So you are Previously, when we were talking about family dynamics, you explained every student that I work with. Every student that walks into the doors has something different going on. Um, Programs we have in place at Ogama Elementary are interventionists. Um, We have the dean of students, the principal, even our um, office staff are hands-on with our students. We all have had multiple trainings, and so we just look at each kid, like I said, individually. Yeah. We worry about how are they feeling. We don't really see a bad kid. Yeah, We see what's going on with this kid today. Why is this kid off? You know, yeah,
0: and, and actually, as teachers, I think that we can really help them understand themselves, you know, looking at where they are um, growing up in an experience of being Native American or being, being Asian or even understanding the difference between, like, um, gen- gender, the difference between gender... Um, being a cisgender or, you know, I, I guess I'm, I don't even know all of the terms, Megan, I'm learning as well. Can you um, help us understand some of those different terms that are coming through and, and um, so we can feel more comfortable using them? So gender binary is probably what your generation is used
1: to. Yes. Where it's male or female. Yes. And that's described as your physical features, mm-hmm. um, how you dress, how your hair is cut, if you wear makeup or not, that would be all gender binary. Right. Um, in the 1990s, the LGBTQ, LGBTQ, um, became more popular. Mm-hmm. And that included um, people of all genders mm-hmm. and how they view themselves. Um, when we work with our students who we don't wanna be um, bias when it comes to gender. If you see a boy that walks in and his group is a group of girls, mm-hmm. maybe you would assume he would fit into a different profile mm-hmm. where maybe he just has been raised by women and that's who he identifies towards.
0: Right, right. Um,
1: when we see girls that are athletic and have strong abilities, mm-hmm. we can't assume that you know, she would fit into another gender profile. Mm -hmm. Maybe she's just raised by brothers. Mm -hmm. If we have artsy students, if we have um, students that like to express themselves differently, um, we need to embrace who that student is.
0: Yeah, and I think we really do try as human beings to try to fit people in categories. Yes. But I think this new cultural competence competency and the cultural awareness really brings us to looking at you are a human being, you are an individual, Mm -hmm. and what are the amazing things that create you or you bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's looking at your, you know, what gender you identify with or if you were born cisgender where you identify with the gender you were born in, Mm -hmm. Um, all of those different things I think really um, are. Are coming up to the forefront, and it's good for us to understand. I think those differences, so that we can help students feel comfortable in their own bodies and their in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you want to add to that, or that you? I think
1: that educators might see a little bias towards them. Also, um, I know that working in different stages of education, childcare. Um, early head start and now in elementary. Mm-hmm. I've heard these biases towards men especially where why would a man be working in a preschool setting? Sure. And yeah. so I think that or why would I be a culture teacher if I'm not an enrolled Native American? Mm-hmm. So I've experienced that myself sure. with, in a different view. Mm-hmm. Um, so if things are coming at you like that. I think st- don't feel bad about yourself, take a step back, Yeah, learn maybe where are they coming from and educate the person that brings that to your table.
0: Yeah, I definitely think the more you learn about a student, you kind of fall in love with them mm-hmm. and then you start opening up your mind and um, kind of having that mindset of, um, you know, oh, I really like that about that person or that um, I really understand where they're coming from. And I think that's a place where we can find common ground. Mm -hmm. And when we find common ground, we know that we can help, um, you know, students reach their potential um, through understanding um, who they are and where they want to go as adults, you know.
1: And even help navigate them through that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's, it's a, crazy world out there, Yeah, (laughs) and as we're growing through life and and different things are happening, different experiences for everybody at different times in their life, school is their constant place. Yeah. It's their safe place, and so when they get there, they can really be themselves.
0: And who are we to think otherwise? Yeah, and it's interesting too, I think, um, I was visiting a preschool room, and it was playtime, and one of the uh, the students really uh, enjoyed the area, the play area, playing house and dress up. And um, he really loved the dresses mm-hmm. and putting the dresses on and and walking around the room. And are just, you talking about my son? No. <laughs> <laughs> Are both of our, you know, I and I know my boys as well. And I think sometimes our first reaction is go play with blocks.
1: Yeah. and Go I play think, with the trucks. Yeah. Go find a dinosaur. Yes.
0: But yeah. don't we put that into their minds? Right. Aren't, isn't that kind of a taught thing? Yeah. And I think we need to just step back and reflect mm-hmm. and think about, um, you know, Play is play, mm-hmm. and and play and expressing yourself is so important mm-hmm. to building your self-esteem, to building your self-identity. Um, so many of those pieces go in as early as preschool when they're playing uh, house and dress up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, So there are some different things called uh, cultural destructiveness, like things that we really wanna be aware of so that we're not doing them in the classroom. Can you talk a little bit about what would be some um, things that as teachers we really need to be cognizant of and, and be careful and make sure that we're not doing in the classroom?
1: One thing that I, for the population that I teach, I know intimidation is can really trigger post-traumatic stress, anxiety, Mm -hmm. Um, it can make the student withdrawn from you and it can be done in such a moment. Right. um, Where you're coming to the teacher just to say, I got my paperwork in Mm -hmm. and you're like, I told you to stay in your chair, you need to sit down. How, little would you feel as an adult if someone said that to you. Yeah. And so I like to treat all children like my own children. Would I, t- or maybe even view, think if there's a administrator in the room or your boss is watching or Big Brother or however you mm-hmm. wanna look at it, mm-hmm. but be professional. Yeah. Always, always think about other people's feelings. Um, when you are working with the different people of ethnicity you really have to honor all don't just single out one thing Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think with um even like when we're choosing books or we're choosing genres or um we're choosing how we are teaching something and looking at the multiple entry points for students and how they can choose their learning and choose, maybe choose their lens of how they approach the learning through uh, the experiences that they bring along with their cultural diversity.
1: Yeah. Native students are hands-on learners. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not, they might, they might struggle with reading. Math is changing. Math has a lot of reading. I know our new curriculum where I'm working now, huge. A difference between last year's math and this year's math, so we need a different approach. Yeah, if yeah. what if you see a student that's struggling, maybe it's as simple as showing them versus telling them.
0: Right. Right, definitely. It kind of reminds me um, of a story my husband tells about he had drawn a picture of his student teacher and he was super excited about it. And when he brought it up to the teacher, the teacher said, don't, don't make fun of me. Ugh. And so I think it's all about that perspective and how then he walked away and believed that he wasn't an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and to this day, he then doesn't feel like he can be an artist. And I think that's really when we're looking at a student coming in with um, a story about going to a powwow or a story about visiting um, Asian grandparents or visiting, um, going to Mexico to visit family, all of those things and coming back and how we then address that with the students can make a difference about how they feel about themselves as well, Um, how you allow them to share who they are within the classroom.
1: I think technology now Gives us a huge advantage in our classrooms.
0: Yeah, definitely. Because
1: if you have students that are a first generation immigrant, which we're seeing a lot in the metro area, um, we have students coming from all over the world into Minnesota. Yeah. And what better way to connect with them than, oh, what what is your home country? Mm-hmm. Um, make sure it's not bringing up you know some of these families are displaced yeah and you need to find the reasons why Mm -hmm. and approach it softly but Uh what a better way to get to know a child and build your classroom community by seeing where everyone comes from
0: yeah definitely i remember when i was in a third grade classroom one of our students uh was learning sign language. And so when the interpreter would come into the classroom, uh, the family actually paid for her to stay longer so we could all learn it. And I thought that's kind of the, I really do think that's really what we're looking at um, in cultural competency is we're looking at building connections across cultural boundaries Yes. and so I think if it's a child that's coming in that is doing sign language how do we bring that in so they can connect to other children or if we're looking at a student that's coming in from Somalia or coming in from um, any place in Mexico like how can we bring some of their traditions and their cultures um, in a way that they can connect with other students and Um, I don't know, but that year we all walked away being able to do quite a bit of American Sign Language and how Mm -hmm. that enriched our lives as well Mm -hmm. and how it enriched that student is to really um, connect. It's really about connections. Right. And I think too, sometimes we forget
1: about the students that don't celebrate holidays, that don't have a religion, Mm -hmm. that really some kids who are in the foster care system, they don't know where they've come from. Mm -hmm. So... Make up a holiday, make up a classroom day, give Mm -hmm. that kid something to identify to.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think uh, sometimes our lack of understanding, um, that's where we may make, um, you know, be talking about Christmas and are you getting presents and and then the family uh, doesn't celebrate Christmas. Or the
1: family can't afford Christmas. Yeah,
0: yes. Yeah, definitely that lack of awareness and understanding of where our students are coming to school um, and how they see themselves and how they're building their self-esteem and their self-worth and their place in the world, really. Yes. So in your training, Megan, what are some other things that uh, you uh, work with teachers on um, when you go out and teach about cultural competency?
1: Um... Microaggressions are important to bring up. I feel like at this point because you may you may unknowingly have a prejudice towards a certain race or a gender,
0: right? Um, or like an, an like fearing something because you don't understand it. Yes. And so it's there's there's really nothing behind the fear, but it it's real, and how do we dissipate that for people?
1: Uh-huh. I've had conversations with um, people that I work with and that have grown up on the reservation, they're not Native American, um, and they say, I didn't realize that all of this is within our communities because mm-hmm. I just thought that that was something that mm-hmm. was kept secret. Yeah. And so history plays an important role in that. Um, the boarding schools, they were a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that is why we see those huge generation gaps in um, grandparents raising, or great grandparents in some cases raising their children, grandchildren. Um, because when boarding schools came into play, there's a huge disconnect with family. Yeah, Families were taken apart and how can you learn to parent if you're not raised by your
0: parents? So, Megan, when we're talking about microaggressions, something that comes to mind to me is um, growing up and being Asian American, people mm-hmm. would always uh, make, like, rice jokes or oh. uh, making a generalization of, of, I do love rice, but as, you know, an elementary student, it really kind of, it, it was said in a derogatory way, so mm-hmm. it, it really did hurt my self-worth, and, and, you know, as we look at those bias that we may not realize we're doing and hurts our students, can you add some, pieces to the puzzle about uh, microaggressions and how they work with students and how we can avoid them? Sure. Um, You speak really
1: well for an African-American person. Yeah. Um, If you're getting to know a student and you say that to them, they could come back at you and say, excuse me. right?" Right. Do you think I'm stupid? Yeah. Or what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, or and, why would I not talk well? Yeah. I'm a fourth grader. Or I'm yeah. in I'm in junior high. I'm a senior yeah. in high school. What do you mean you don't expect me to graduate? I've been working my butt off for yes. years to or get here.
0: Unfortunately, sometimes in the hallway or talking to teachers, you will hear that um, a student. Well, that's just that's all they're able to do because yep. of their language or their. Yep. Um, and we know that that's not true. Um, with second language learners that there is a lot of room to grow and, and um, be whatever they want in life. right. Um, so those
1: regular, subtle acts of bias, when, when those are constantly getting brought up, it kind of gives you a little bit of a like an anxiety. Yeah, it gives you definitely. an anxiety. Yeah. It gives you an anxiety because growing up, I am a very light-skinned Native American. Mm-hmm. I identify as a Native American. Yeah. My boys have blonde hair and blue eyes. Yes, they do. <laughs> their sister has brown hair and brown eyes. Right. When you ask my kids, and I have because I wanted to know their view. Yeah, yeah. Are you white or are you Native? Mm-hmm. And my five-year-old, he goes, I'm Osh. I'm native. Um, yeah. and my son Jake, he's like, "Why would you ask me if I'm white?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so my children are growing up totally different than I did because at the time I was growing up, people would say, "Do you think you're a native white girl?" And I would be like, "White girl? Like what what are you talking yes, about?" Why because you Why identified would you, to the culture that girl? you
0: live in? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, And um, it's, it's kind of the opposite for me because then um, when people would make comments about rice or, you know, like even like if making comments, if you're Hindu, you, you meditate or just making yeah. those assumptions. It's like you start not wanting to be who you are mm-hmm. and not wanting to, um, or not understanding how you fit into the classroom or how you relate to other kids uh, when they're making those kind of comments. And I think that's, that piece where teachers don't know, um, just because a student looks a certain way, and it can be the opposite, like you're saying, your children look very Caucasian. um, My boys do. Yeah, (laughs) but they're growing up in that, in the the Native American culture, so they identify with that culture. Yes,
1: Um, very much that's who they are. Mm -hmm. That's all that they know. Um, And I think invalidation is also something we should bring up, because are you not knowingly ignoring a student or like you were saying earlier, that's all that student is capable of doing, Mm -hmm. so I'm not going to, they're tardy, so I'm not gonna even attempt to get them caught up on their daily work. Right. But then maybe they're falling behind in reading or math Mm -hmm. and they're missing that piece, so you're not taking the time to just step in and say during choice time or daily five, Giving that student an extra little boost mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to get them caught up, to have that one-on-one with them.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um,
1: judgment. I think we've covered that a mm-hmm. lot in our mm-hmm. conversation today. Yeah. But then also rejection. Yes. Yes. What if you've had a terrible experience with a race, and then that a child of that race comes into your classroom? Mm-hmm. Are you going to automatically have a aggression towards that student and reject them completely and not put your heart and soul into that student. Yeah. How, yeah. I mean, we have to think, too, as teachers, are we unknowingly doing these things? Right, right. And that's
0: why self-reflection is so important. Reflection does seem to be a really big key, I think, in cultural competency is to be able to look at yourself and look at what do you value and then take a look at reflecting on what does that mean in the larger picture of your classroom or your community. And how can you change some of your um, beliefs from maybe not accurate, that lens of inaccuracy because of the exposure you've had Mm -hmm. um, in your lifetime and maybe that growth mindset a little bit because um, when you're open to different and new experiences I think that your mind opens up and again going back to that connection that you can make um, it really is about making connections and learning about each other and supporting each other and and really taking a look at the students and how how can we grow them? How can we honor who they are, no matter their sex or their um, their race or their culture, really looking at who they are and who they can become mm-hmm. Respectfully, in our community. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I think making yourself a little bit uncomfortable by getting to know the families, just that, hi, my name is Megan from Ogema Elementary School, mm-hmm. and I'm just calling because I met with your student today. And sometimes I get, oh no, what have they done? And I just say, no, they didn't do anything. This isn't a bad phone call. I'm just calling to just let you know I had a great conversation with your student. This is what I'm working on with them. Um, So part of my job is also cultural liaison. So I sit in on a lot of IEP meetings, Mm -hmm. um, conferences with parents to help bridge that gap between home and school. Sometimes parents are very uncomfortable coming into conferences. Mm-hmm. And so just so they know, they have somebody in their corner to help yeah. them
0: out. And I think you can feel that sincerity when you're at a conference time and a teacher is really open to meeting and getting to know parents. You can feel that. Or right. if they're not open to it.
1: I know a lot yeah. of families do open house nights and family fun days, fabulous Fridays, yeah. book bingo. I'm trying to think of other things that are... Um, community has done and doing that throughout the school year and before conferences just so you have that connection so the families are comfortable coming in.
0: Yeah Um, I think too uh, one thing that um, as I've gotten older it's become easier but this is really hard I think in an adult world too Um, when there is something that is said that is inappropriately um, stated to have enough courage and enough, um, I think, respect for cultural competency to stop and say, you know, that's, you know, we can't have that mm-hmm. in this classroom, yep. or um, we we can't be uh, looking at that student that um, is maybe a male gender but identifies as a female and wants to play dress up. Um, we shouldn't be saying get out of that dress you're, you don't need to, you right. shouldn't be playing in that dress And I think um, you know saying oh, I didn't realize you liked that kind of food because you' I thought you guys all liked this kind of food yeah. generalizations And I think as students when you when and you're able to stick up for them and celebrate their differences, it really does play a difference on how they feel about themselves and in turn how they will. Um, perform in the classroom.
1: As a teacher your job is to help them learn and help them grow and you don't want to do anything that hinders
0: that. Yeah yeah definitely. definitely. So when we're kind of looking at the um, different levels of uh, cultural competency you know we we are all lifelong learners so we know we don't expect people to be and have maybe the same um, experiences as we have had growing up. Um, but I think that it's really important for us to understand where we are in the cultural competency scale of mm-hmm. understanding. And that, you know, give ourselves a break as educators, too, as we're just learning to keep that open mind and to think okay, where am I on that spectrum? Do I value diversity? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the start, right? And then, what would be the next thing? um, Do you think, in the line of going up in understanding of your cultural competency, um, from just valuing it, what would be? Do you mean that that every teacher that watches this? is not
1: gonna be culturally competent when we're done. (laughs) Well, I'm pretty sure they are. (laughs) (laughs) No, you have to go above and beyond. That's what we do. Yeah, That's what teachers do. They go above and beyond every single day.
0: Yeah, definitely. So to
1: answer that question, I think you should learn practices and beliefs of your students, Mm -hmm. Um, attend cultural events that your district or community advertises, I'm really proud of a set of teachers that are new to our district this year. Um, I have an older daughter and she's in choir and band and they are fifth and sixth grade teachers and they attend their students' band and choir concerts even.
0: Yeah. And yeah. how
1: awesome it is for those kids to see, oh my gosh, my teacher's here, you know, mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. my extra time, my teacher is here.
0: Yeah, definitely. And then I think too, that um, piece of, uh, supporting the self-awareness piece in there as well, like um, being honest that we do have bias. And um, that's the first step, I think, of moving away from our biases, understanding what our biases are, Mm -hmm. and kind of dissipating the, the things that go along with that. Yes. So Megan, when you talk about that your classroom is a box of crayons, and we can kind of take a look at that with like, um, the socioeconomic status, the different races that are coming into our classrooms, the different gender identities that might be in our classroom, and then put on the different um, ethnic cultures that go in there. Can you explain, like, what does that mean to have a big box of crayons in your classroom? So
1: education curriculums in the United States are geared towards a small population and unfortunately it is the white population um, with the growing immigration in our state, mm-hmm. we're not uh, white is not, is now also a minority. And so we're teaching towards one certain percent of a population and we're not teaching towards another or all, all, all and so, I, yeah. mm-hmm. inside a box of crayons, you mm-hmm. have many different colors. So you have many different genders, you have many different societies, races, and you have everybody bringing in their culture. Yeah. So if you are teaching towards your box of crayons versus your white piece of paper, you're reaching everyone in your
0: classroom. Yeah, and I think too, it's interesting the analogy of using a box of crayons because you have um, like different hues like rose pink or deep blush pink and so it really kind of does um, like I think explain like you can have a child that has a background of Native American and they could be German and they can be Norwegian in there and they could um, be African American there they can be different hues of colors
1: as well. Another thing I think of is a broken crayon can still color
0: yeah and so
1: our students that we may think are a little bit broken, they're still able to be good learners. They yeah. still have so much potential inside of
0: them. Yeah. They still can create a beautiful sunset on that white piece of paper. Um, and we can find ways to to um, tape up the crayon and yeah. and use it and, and create more pictures as we go. Yeah, on and then well. I
1: just think of supports that are in place for mm-hmm. students within the education system, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. such
1: as brick, Stellar, Solutions, those are all um,
0: organizations that work in our district. In Minnesota. Yes. Yep. Yep. Definitely. And I think too, at one time you had told me that by a certain year, I'm not sure, that we will in Minnesota go over the threshold where the minority will then be the majority. So the US Census is reporting
1: that by 2043, the United States of America will be considered a minority country so we're just we're not that mainstream european Mm -hmm. um background anymore right Uh, right. a lot of when i was growing up and learning in the history books etc um a lot of it said america is a melting pot america is a melting pot and so i think we need to embrace that more you know mix the
0: crayons up Yeah, yeah, and I Use different colors. Yeah, and I think now they say, um, and it could be changing because things change so fast, but I think too, going from that melting pot to the salad where everybody keeps their own identity. Yes, yes. That you can blend together in beautiful um, different arrangements of, um, color and taste and texture and um, and that the more you can bring into your salad, the be- better tasting it is. Mm-hmm. So I think that's awesome. And I, I really do believe that um, we as teachers, if we can just start concentrating on understanding that we're lifelong learners too, yes, and that there are new terms and new ways to describe um, different scenarios in students' lives. And that really is our responsibility to go out there and seek the information and learn and become um, better acquainted with uh, what what we're going to experience in our own uh, classroom so we can celebrate that diversity. You may be a very
1: seasoned teacher and you might've been teaching for 15 to 20 years. Mm-hmm. And you may be a little biased against these new teachers that are coming in full mm-hmm. of energy, all these new curriculum ideas. And you might say that's never gonna work. Yeah. And totally pop their bubble.
0: Right. But maybe
1: you need to open your mind and look at that new coworker mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and say, "Wow, all these new ideas! I could learn mm-hmm. a lot from this person."
0: Right. And definitely, I think it's education as learning is always reciprocal. So we can learn things from our students, just as they can learn things from us as well. Yeah. So, when you look at cultural pr- um, proficiency in the classroom, what does it look like, Megan? We've talked a lot about
1: having an open mind
0: and being able
1: to um, being able to pay attention to cultural dynamics without having that bias.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Maybe you have a brown student in your classroom, and you would think maybe this student knows everything about being a Native. And just like some people may assume you know everything about being Asian.
0: Right, right.
1: And or that I can use chopsticks. Yeah. Yeah. Who can use chopsticks?
0: It's hard. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, powwow dancing is hard. Yes, yeah. Um, and not every Native American
1: powwow dancer. Right. Yeah. So the dynamics of cultural differences and understanding okay, this is a brown student, this is a black student, this is a red student, this is a yellow student, they're not gonna know everything specifically about. So don't single them out when you're on a topic or a subject. You don't think that all the Asian students are mad scientists and going to be blowing up your chemistry
0: lab because they
1: can do mad mathematics and blow
0: something up. Absolutely, yeah. That uh, definitely the mindset of where you're getting into those generalization of races. Um, like when I think about um, cultural competency in the classroom, too, to me, it's it seems like a no-brainer because it's really about just honoring our differences and honoring who we are as human beings. But I think for teachers, you know, um, we're human beings, too, and we bring in a lot of our own bias. Mm-hmm. So really, if we're looking at um, looking at teachers and wanting to increase their cultural competency, really the... I feel like the first thing is to build bridges. Look at you know, where you come, reflect on who you are, and then take a look at how can I build some bridges with my students mm-hmm. um, and really realize that as I build those bridges, that I'm really building up my students' self-awareness, um, building up their, the students' self-worth, and being proud of who they are and the, the pieces, the unique pieces that they bring to the table.
1: Yeah, so at the beginning of your school year, you could do an all about me page where you can get them to strike a fun pose, um, cut it out, paste it on a piece of construction paper, Mm -hmm. leave it on their desk, play some music, have a walk around, so everybody gets to see the differences from day one in the classroom. And that is a great tool for yourself as a teacher because as you're hanging those up in your classroom to display them, you can tell and see the differences between everybody. It's all right in front of you. And then you have those cues to pick from what you have brought into that classroom as yeah, well.
0: Yeah, and I think as you're building, then the students in your classroom say, hey, I can build too. Mm-hmm. And they start building bridges between each other as well. Mm-hmm. And I think too, as we then start to incorporate um, a cultural awareness within our classrooms to show our students that we're reflecting too, that we, it's important for us to reflect on who we are as adults and uh, and really share our experience as well um, and then teach our students to reflect if a student says something that is a generalization of another student to not let it go to really address it and um, have that student reflect on what they just said and mm-hmm. why it can be so damaging to the culture of the classroom and to another student mm-hmm. definitely so I think reflection is a huge piece of being culturally competent I think too um Seek out your cultural
1: liaison within your district and, you know, go to them for those hard questions. That's what they're there for. They're, help, they're helping you understand your student population, especially as a new teacher in a district. Seek out those cultural liaisons. Some of them are hidden gems. Yeah. Those are your connections to home, to families, to those hard-to-reach parents, um, to those parents that only text. To the parents that are afraid to come into school Mm -hmm. to to get to know you to get to see you
0: yeah we didn't even touch on that but cultural competency like the cultural uh, it could be a cultural norm in a family that they don't use technology right so then how do you go in and communicate with the family as well so there's so many different entry points to cultural competency um, because there are so many diverse cultural experiences in Minnesota. Yes. Definitely. So uh, wrapping up, what are some things that we really want teachers to know um, as they're looking at the makeup of their classroom and the students that are coming I think always eager to learn in the beginning of the year and how do we ensure that uh, we don't uh, like stifle some of that um, eagerness through our own fumbling of cultural competency. I agree with you
1: that a lot of our students are eager, but this might be also a huge anxiety time for some of our students. Yeah.
0: Great point.
1: Um, especially like those foster care students that we talked about mm. earlier, um, the students that might be homeless and they're not sure where they're going after school Right. and they're, they may be new to the school. And this is their fifth school in the last two, two school years. So, not all of them are going to be running through the door, like our hopes and dreams, like when we picture the perfect classroom and the yeah. perfect first day of school, everything's going to be so great, and I spent so much time prepping. Mm-hmm. you might not even get through the first half of your day, right <laughs> because of that, right so be prepared, I think, mm-hmm. have plan A, B, and C and maybe D and maybe D yeah, maybe D. <laughs> yeah. um. When you are, I think don't push, don't Mm -hmm. push the students out of their comfort zone, Mm -hmm. ease into it. I know I was a eager first time teacher and I had all these big ideas and I wanted to get all this stuff done within the school year. And I failed miserably, I feel like, because I did a disservice to the students having all these high expectations. Mm -hmm. And I had this year going back into a school year, I toned it down a lot. Um, I think that if you are a teacher in a small school, get to know each other. Yeah. Find a buddy. Yeah. Find a teammate. Yeah. A lot of larger schools have uh, groupings of the same classes. So if there's five first grade teachers or three first grade teachers, join up, collaborate.
0: Um, And talk about and reflect about the students in your classroom and where they're coming Mm -hmm. from um, because you can kind of bounce things off of each other as well. Yep.
1: Or, you know, if you're really struggling um, with a student, ask them, Yeah. what would you guys do in this situation? What am
0: I missing? Mm -hmm.
1: And don't feel like you're less of a teacher or be hard on yourself. Yeah. You're Mm -hmm. learning. We're lifelong learners. Definitely. We need to do as much as we can with the time we have with our students. So take the time to figure them out. Definitely. Don't give up on them.
0: It really sounds like you're saying um, that, you know, students and adults, we really need to seek to understand and be easy on ourselves as well, um, but really try to push our limits of understanding of each other and how that we can benefit from each other um, by uh, by knowing each other better. Mm -hmm. So, Megan, why don't you go ahead and tell our viewers how they can get a hold of you and do some collaborating and maybe some um, conversation, a further conversation with you? How would they get a hold of you?
1: So, you can reach out to me by email, um, meganlwabin.k12.mn.us. If you're looking for um, CEUs, you can also search Mintrek and bring up that website and then you can search a trainer and i'll be under cultural trainers so that's another great way to
0: yeah, maybe learn
1: more about culture as well
0: yes yes or um if they would like to have you come into their districts and work with them as well yeah. awesome well yeah. thank you so much for visiting with us today yeah, really it appreciate great. it so thanks for taking the time to join our learning minnesota discussion with Megan on the topic of cultural competency. Don't forget to visit our site, learningminnesota.com, for additional resources on this particular topic and more videos on our resource library. So in closing, Megan, do you think you could say goodbye in your Ojibwe language? Kigawabamin, minawa. I'll definitely see you later. <laughs> <laughs>